it is time to seek the Lord. And if we don't do it now, our golden window of opportunity is going to close. And it's going to close. And it'll close. And it'll close. Open your Bible, please, to Hosea. As Brother Howard mentioned, it's right beside Daniel, which is right beside, which is right beside Hosea chapter 10. This is a precious subject to speak on. It is time to seek the Lord. It is time, folks. You know, we see a lot of signs around town about farmers. No farmers, no food, right? How many have seen signs about farmers? I guess that's most everyone. And uh, no doubt, we have to have farmers, no question about it. And that's good. I got thinking the other day, no farmers, no food, that's true. But you know what? No God, no farmer. Yeah, thinking about that too. It is time to seek the Lord. Now speaking about farming, I'm not a farmer. I've done a wee bit of gardening, but I'm not a farmer. I've known farmers. I've been to many farms over the years, big ones and small ones. And I've ridden on tractors and horses, nearly got stepped on by a cow, stepped in a few things I shouldn't have. My mother was raised on a farm. She told me a lot of experiences. And from what I can gather, it seems to me that for the most part, farming today is easier than it was hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago, the farmer had to have a, a bull or an ox or something and uh, pulling a plow. One man out there all day trying to break up the fallow ground. And then he would take a bag with seed in it and he'd be sowing the seed He'd have to be weeding with a hoe to try and get rid of the weeds. And it was back-breaking effort. Today, uh, a lot, not all, but I think most farming, farmers rely upon um, tractors. Big tractors, small tractors. Boy, there's some big tractors out there. Whoa! These things, they make you feel like a little grasshopper. They're so big. They need them big if they're going to look after a big farm. And they, um, they use big combines to harvest everything. They don't have to do it by hand in the old days with a sickle. You know, they don't have to do that anymore. It's all done by a machine. They sit in air-conditioned comfort. They use pesticides, kill off weeds and bugs and things like that. So in many ways, farming today seems easier than ever. But something has not changed. In thousands of years, it's the principle of farming. The principle of farming. Point number one, you have to break up the, the ground. It has to be tilled and the hard chunks and clunks have to be broken up. Usually you get rid of some rocks at the same time. You've got to make the ground good. So they, they call it tilling the ground. And whether you do it by hand or you're going to use a mule or an ox or a tractor, it has to be done. So that hasn't changed. You have to break up the ground. If you fail to break up the ground, 
something will grow there, but it's not going to be profitable. There's no market for weeds that I know of, except the kind you smoke. Point number two about farming is that you must plant the right seed. That makes sense, right? So number one, you've got to break up the ground. Number two, you have to plant the right seed. You see, if you plant seed that's diseased, the harvest you will get will be poor and diseased. If you plant the wrong kind of seed, you're in for a big surprise. So you have to plant the right seed. Number three is you still have to rely on the Lord for the rain because the crops need rain. They need sunshine. They need rain. That hasn't changed in the thousands and thousands of years that we've been farming. So you can plant all the seed you want, but unless God gives the rain and waters it, then not much is going to happen. Point number three basically is it needs water. And point number four is that you need to gather in your harvest. When your crops are ripe, you need to gather them in. Otherwise, they rot in the field and they're, they're no good at all. The harvest must be gathered at the right time and in the right way. If you gather too soon, you'll lose crops, you'll lose money. The crop is still green and underdeveloped. If you gather too late, the crop will rot on the way to harvest, or on the way to market, I should say. And so these are just some of the, the basic principles of farming. And I think, if, I think we would all agree that those things haven't changed. Well, here in our passage in Hosea, God uses the principles of farming to a spiritual harvest. Now God is interested in a spiritual harvest and he's using well-known principles of farming. And so that's what we're going to look at today. It is time to seek the Lord. Now let's bow for a word of prayer and then let's get into the passage. Our Heavenly Father, uh, without you, we're, we're horrible. We're, we couldn't be worse off. Father, you are everything, whether we know it or not whether we acknowledge it or not. We need you, Lord. And today is our opportunity to consecrate ourselves to you the best we know how. Truly, it's something we ought to be doing every day. But it's proper to do it formally. And I guess in sort of a public sort of way that we would give ourselves to you, Lord. Because we know this pleases you and there are blessings attached. And so help us today. All of us here today gathered in your house and all that are watching at home on their devices. And we don't want to forget about them. There's still a bunch of people out there. Lord, help them to consecrate themselves to you this day and not to put it off. And so help us in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Chapter 10 of Hosea and verses 11 to 15 describe the ruin of Israel. Israel was... We say Israel, but we're talking about the northern ten tribes. There were the southern two tribes known basically as Judah. Um, so just for simplicity of Judah in the south, you've got Israel in the north. And it was a divided monarchy, a divided kingdom. But here, Hosea is preaching about the ruin of the ten northern tribes, Israel. Um, it's because they would reap what they sowed. Look at verse 13. 
Ye have plowed wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. Now before we go dismissing this and saying it doesn't apply to us, how many Christians in the world today and maybe in our church today are trusting more in their own ways, trusting in their mighty dollars, trusting in their physical powers, or their charisma and charm, trusting in their popularity more than trusting in the Lord. If God has made you beautiful, wealthy, and healthy, those are gifts from Almighty God, and they, they need to be thanked for, you need to thank God for them, and you need to use them to serve the Lord. You know, something that we, we don't like seeing is someone who's very rich, and they use all their money on themselves. I saw on the news today that someone in Ontario just won $30 million in a lottery. Now really, I feel sorry for that person because they're going to have a lot of trouble, a whole world of trouble, new trouble they never knew before is going to enter their lives. I feel sorry for people who, who win the lotto, two-thirds of them. Within five years, the money's gone and their family and their lives are destroyed. One day I'm going to uh, preach a sermon on this and show you statistically from the statistics of the world themselves. They will tell us that when you win the lotto, you've just lost. But we hate to see someone who's so wealthy and all they do is spend their money on themselves. And we, we sure don't like to see a gifted Christian who's using the gifts of God just for themselves. They need to serve the Lord with these things. And folks, let's serve the Lord with what we have before he, he could take it all away, you know that. All of your money, all of your good looks, all of your health, all of your friends could be gone in a moment's time. Just read the book of Job and you'll know that. It is time to seek the Lord. And so here we see that Israel, the northern ten tribes, they were living for themselves, not living for the Lord, and so they were reaping what they had sown. They had let things go too far, but he, and judgment was coming. But even at this point, God would soften their judgment if they turned to Him and sowed righteousness. Now, it's now February. We've come through a, about two years of COVID. And I hate it just along with everyone else. Maybe if there's people that live in some kind of bubble, they're not affected by it, and somehow they're making millions of dollars off COVID. Those would be the only people interested in COVID. But otherwise, for the rest of us normal people, it means sickness, it means restrictions, it means isolations, it means wearing masks, um, it means the death of loved ones, it means a whole world that's just turned upside down. But I do believe we're seeing the end of the disease. We've hit the fourth wave, and so it looks like governments of the world are saying it's over, folks, and a few of them have given up all restrictions. It'll happen here in Canada. Uh, but boy, it has sure shaken the whole world. And it's uh, shaken our country as well. Unfortunately, it has shaken a lot of churches. This is so sad when brother rises against brother. When one will look at another and and call him a chicken and a ninny, and the other will rise at the, and look at him and, and call him a, 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 
a warmonger or something like that, and, and you get this kind of division that happens in churches. And uh, I've heard a lot of stories, horror stories. We've had a few folks leave our church because we won't get on the, the bandwagon and rail at the government and blaspheme the government and our leaders and, and uh, openly, blatantly uh, disobey. We won't do that. We don't believe that that is biblical to do. And so because of that, we've lost a couple of people. Not many. But I'll tell you what. God has brought other people into our church to replace those that have left. And I praise the Lord we've got a sweet spirit in our church. And hey, we're surviving COVID. Isn't that great? And one day soon, maybe by summer, I don't know when, but I'm just picking a, a, you know, a time out of the thin air, but maybe by summer, the restrictions will basically be lifted and it'll be back to business as usual. Hallelujah. But I do know this. It's time to seek the Lord. We've been through a lot, folks. We have. We've been through days where our church has been closed up and all we could do is broadcast over the internet. Praise the Lord for that. But this is much better. I mean, would you rather be personally in heaven when the time comes or would you rather be on earth watching heaven through the internet? It's better to be in heaven. And it's better to be together in the house of the Lord. And that day is coming, mark my words. And so let's have faith. There's a point where we need to have faith and be in the house of the Lord. Now that point now, it's still up in the air because we're still under some semi-restrictions. We understand that. But the day is coming. So good news, good news, folks. Hallelujah. So it's time to seek the Lord. We must seek God while we still can. That is important. That's very biblical. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Very important that we seek the Lord at this point. Now we talk about consecration and dedication. What's the difference? Consecration is for people Dedication is for things. Now that's a general term. In generalities, you, um, you give things out of your hand into God's hands. That's called dedication. That's the idea of the word to dedicate, to give out of your hand. To consecrate, you bring yourself as a package and put yourself into God's hand. So we have consecration Sunday, but it can include dedication as well. If you've never dedicated your house to the Lord, whether you own it or rent it, or whether the bank owns it, and you just live there, you need to do that. If you haven't yet dedicated your car, that 2,000 pound projectile that you hurl down the street with, you need to dedicate that. And anything else that the Lord has blessed you with, you'd be wise to dedicate it. Today is Consecration Sunday. God has blessed us in so many ways. He really has. As a nation, even under COVID, we're still greatly blessed. We are. Even with the price of gas, $1.739, I saw coming into church today. Even that. And sometimes you can get it cheaper, but still it's expensive gas. 
Many years ago, they talked about the price of gas getting to, to a dollar a, a liter. Can you imagine that? A dollar a liter for gas. Oh, that sounds good to me today, doesn't it? A dollar a liter for gas. But back then, when, they were, when we were at 75 cents, 80 cents a liter, and a dollar for a liter for gas, I'll tell you what, brother, if it ever hits a dollar, that's when Jesus is coming back. Well, I got news for you. We left a dollar a long time ago and Jesus is still not back. No mistakes. Just His timing, not ours. And so, whatever it is, I guess we, we pay whatever it is, unless you go electric. And then, that's great, but it has other challenges as well. Electric is, doesn't mean free. <laughs> you pay a lot for those vehicles. And anyhow, I'm not going to get into that. But I am saying this that we have been blessed so much, is it possible that our blessings may have softened us? Could we have become a nation of softies because of all of the blessings? It's not hard to get a job. I see people, good-looking, strong, healthy guys out on the street corner, oh, please help me, hey, give me money. Why can't they get jobs? There's jobs to be had. I know the figures just came out that there was a lot of jobs lost according to what they just posted for January here in Canada. But there's still a lot of jobs out there. But you know why a lot of people don't go and get jobs? Oh, I wouldn't be caught dead working, you know, for less than $20 an hour. Oh, no, that, that, that kind of work, that's beneath me. It just makes me wonder if our blessings haven't softened us up too much. You know, the greatest nation that this world has ever seen the greatest nation, can you guess what nation that, that is? The greatest nation the world has ever seen, ever. The wealthiest, most powerful nation was the Roman Empire. Long gone, the Roman Empire. They controlled the whole world. The, whole, the, whole, the, the then known world. And they were so wealthy and so powerful. What happened to them? They corrupted on the inside. People got greedy. People got lazy. The politicians, in order to get votes, would hand out free food, free bread, free circuses, free this, free that. The people had it so good they became soft. And in 410 A.D., 1600 years ago, give or take, the greatest, most powerful nation the world has ever seen was attacked and overcome by the Visigoths, or we call them the Goths, G-O-T-H-S, the Goths, in 410 A.D. Rome fell because they got soft on the inside. We have it so good in this country. God has blessed us so much. We wear good clothes, we eat good food, we drink good water, we, we drive around in nice vehicles, and if we don't have a vehicle, we get into a nice bus, or, or a sky train. Uh, we've got all the luxuries. We've got all the bells and whistles and toys. We can go on the internet and order whatever we want. We've got lines of credit. We've got credit cards if we want money. And if we need more, the credit cards companies are more than willing to extend you more credit. And they say, if you own your home, you can get that loan. Well, boy, oh boy, more debt. Just what we want. 
We're a, a funny kind of a nation that way, but we really have it soft. And I'm wondering sometimes if that is not keeping us away from our Heavenly Father. It's when we're... Listen, how many of you have remember a time where you first came to Canada and you didn't have much and you were really crying out to God and you were asking God to help, help you and put bread on the table and please help me find a, a place to live. You know, sometimes I wonder if maybe as a nation we should go back to some of those days. It was in those days that we cried out to God. Why can't we cry out to God again? Are we too soft? Are we too ashamed that someone might see us on our knees giving our, ourselves to God? Are we that prideful? When Jesus was nailed to the cross, naked, bloodied and battered, open shame, open public shame for you and for me. You know, and then at the invitation we say, well, I don't know if I want to go forward because somebody might see me. They might get the wrong idea. Who cares what the other person thinks? Who cares? It's what you think and what your Heavenly Father thinks. That's what consecration is all about. It is time to seek the Lord. And if we don't do it now, our golden window of opportunity is going to close. And it's going to close. And it'll close. And it'll close. No, it's time to seek the Lord. Logic says it's time to seek the Lord. The Bible says it's time to seek the Lord. I read a story about Leonardo da Vinci. He was painting his big picture of the Last Supper with Christ and the Apostles. Maybe you've seen it. It's a famous one he painted. And before it was finished, he invited a friend to come and look at it and tell me what you think. And the friend looked it over and said to da Vinci, the most striking, the most amazing thing about this is the cup. Leonardo right away took a brush and with one stroke he wiped the cup out. What are you doing? said the friend. Da Vinci said, nothing. In this portrait is going to detract from the face of Jesus. Is there anything in your life that detracts from the face of Jesus? How important is your Savior to you today? Would you consecrate yourself to Jesus? Oh, but he might ask me to do something I don't want to do. What a, what a whiner. I'm sorry to say that, but if that's, if that's how you're feeling, you're a whiner. And the devil's got more of a hold on you than Jesus has got a hold on you. Your Savior died an ugly, brutal death to keep you out of hell. And he asks you and I to consecrate ourselves to him. Consecration is a very important subject. You read in the Old Testament, I've been going through this lately, how that God gave Moses instructions to consecrate Aaron and his sons to be the priests. And it was a very important um, object lesson to the people, but a very Im important service, a religious service they went through, and it had to be done just right. And it was very pleasing in the eyes of God. God is pleased when we give ourselves to Him. Absolutely no question about it. Israel, 
as a, as a nation, really, all combined Israel, went from the bottom to the top. According to world nations, they went, now this is back in days of you know King David and Solomon, they went from being basically nothing to the very pinnacle, to the top. They were the most powerful, the most wealthy, the, the most sought after nation was Israel. But what happened? They stopped seeking the Lord. And they went from the top right to the bottom. Some of you have experienced going from the bottom to the top. Now, not necessarily that you're as wealthy as Bill Gates or anything, but you've come with nothing, and now look at you. How blessed you are. Well, how would you like to go to the bottom again? You say, no, thank you. And I don't blame you. Why can't we stay on the top? Well, how do we do that? We get on our knees. And we consecrate ourselves to God. Not just once forever. This is a wonderful opportunity, a golden open door for you to consecrate yourself today in a very formal and very precious way in the eyes of the Lord. You can do that. And in your heart, you can pray, Lord, everything that I have and ever hope to be, I want to give it all into your hands now. And in prayer, you can mention husbands and wives and children and mothers and fathers, jobs, health, home, car. You can mention all that. Put it all into the Lord's hands for safekeeping and for His blessing for the whole rest of this year. And then next year, first Sunday in January, we'll do it all again. And we've done it this way for so many years now. But Israel went from the top to the bottom. Why? Because they did not seek the Lord. It's possible that someone here today may be hearing this message either here in the auditorium or online, but you're not ready to seek the Lord. And let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to drift a little further away. That's what's going to happen to you when God's Holy Spirit is talking to you, telling you, come on, let's do this. Let's consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Let's do this. And you say, oh, no, I'm not ready yet for this reason, that reason, you know, whatever. The bottom line is you don't do it. Well, you're going to drift a little further. And then after that, you'll drift a little further away. One day, you won't even go to church. Maybe even now, you hardly have your devotions. You hardly take a few minutes out of the day God has given you to get alone with God and say, Good morning, Heavenly Father. I love you and adore you and appreciate you with all my heart and soul and mind and body and spirit. You're everything to me, Lord. I adore you and worship you. And I give myself to you again today for your service. Use me, protect me, help me to say the right words, to think the right thoughts, to see the right things, to hear the right things. Please, Lord Jesus, fill my heart. Holy Spirit, come in, take over. Fill me today. If you're not doing something like that every day, why not? Why not? Is it a matter of priorities? Well, you have to figure that out. But if you resist when the Holy Spirit says, come, you're going to drift further away. Now, two things I want to show you quickly, and I'm done. It's here in chapter 10 of Hosea. There's instructions. There's two main instructions, and I want you to see these. Very important. Number one, is you need to break up the fallow ground. 
Now look at chapter 10 and look at verse 12, kind of in the middle. Break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow means unused. Fallow means not serviceable. It's not seeded. It's, it's idle. And of course, it gets hard. And that's what happens to our hearts and soul and spirit when we're not actively walking with the Lord. You're walking more with the world than you are with the Lord and your heart starts getting harder and harder. And that's why the devil finds it easy to put critical thoughts in your head. That's why sometimes, and I'm not saying this of anyone here today or online, but it happens where good Christian people are listening to the sermon and they're thinking, who does he think he is? Doesn't he know how intrusive that is? What makes him think he's so holy? He's not God, you know. Where do those thoughts come from? Not from Jesus. Jesus didn't put those thoughts in your head. By the way, if you haven't figured it out, I am not God. Let's set the record straight. I deserve to be in hell today. But for His mercy that found me and saved me on April the 6th, 1975, I ought to be dead and buried in a drunkard's grave. But here I am, still alive, serving the Lord. His mercy, His grace. For all eternity, I'm going to be singing His praises. Break up the fallow ground. Now, in Matthew chapter 13, the Lord Jesus gave us the parable of the sower. And He interpreted the parable. And He said that the ground is the heart. Your heart. And so, if your heart is feeling a little crusty, your heart is feeling a little hard toward the things of the Lord, or maybe even toward this sermon, you need to break up the fallow ground. You need to get in there and break it up. Crusty habits of sin. Crusty habits of superstition. Crusty habits of laziness. COVID has created a lot of lazy people. There's a lot of people that have quit their jobs because of COVID. They're just going to stay home and live off government benefits. Of course, crusty habits of fears and things like that. These things won't go away on their own. They need to be dealt with. You need to say to the Lord, Lord, i got a heart that's hard. Help me. Soften up my heart, Lord. I give you my heart. That's what consecration will do for you. It will help soften your heart. If you're wishing you were closer to the Lord and you were more productive, but you find you're not, why? Quite often, it's because the heart is too hard. Break it up. Lay it on the altar today. It's no shame. It's no shame to come to God and tell Him what He already knows. It's no shame to come to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I keep committing the same sin. Lord, I'm sorry, I, I seem to have a crusty old heart. Well, God knows all this. I'll tell you what the shame is, is not to do anything about it. That's the shame. Your, your car has a flat tire. Well, that's, that's too bad. But if you never fixed it, and you just kept driving around with this big clump, thing, you know, ka-chunk, ka-chunk going. People would say, why, why don't you fix it? Oh, it's too much trouble. Break up the fallow ground. Put your heart on the altar today. Well, number two, 
It's in the same verse and it's at the beginning of the verse. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. You need to sow the right thing. Remember we said earlier about farming? If you sow the wrong seed, you're in trouble. You remember that? It's the same here. God is using the principles of farming to teach us about revival. You need to break up the fallow ground. Put your heart on the altar and start sowing the right seed. Matthew 13, Jesus interpreted the seed as the word of God. Every day, you and I need to get alone with God and get his Bible and open it up and let God speak to us. That's the seed going into our soul. Let God speak to your soul. Get the word of God into you every day. I'm so busy in the morning. And get up 15 minutes earlier. I can't, I can't. Then do it at night. Morning's better. But do it sometime. Don't let the old devil win. He's going to try and win. Don't, he's pretty crafty, tricky. Don't let him win. You make sure you have your Bible time and prayer time with the Lord every day. You need to sow to yourselves in righteousness. Now it's your blessing. God will bless you for this. You are the one who will benefit with this. And so I just encourage you. Sow to yourself in righteousness with your Bible every day. Sow to yourself in righteousness by being in attendance at church. If you have to work on a Sunday or a Wednesday night, that's understandable. But if you, know, if you have a physical, if you're sick or something, you can't come. That's what the internet is for. But if you have health and you have the ability, be here. Be here with us. That's the best you want the best? There is the best right there. Well, in verse 12, the last part is basically don't give up. Many people give up. It says here, it is time to seek the Lord, and watch, till He come and rain righteousness upon you. So until the showers of blessing come, don't quit, don't give up. Keep breaking up the hard heart. Keep sowing to yourself in righteousness. It's going to work. It always does. God's plan always, always works. Listen, great men and women of the Bible all have this in common. They sought the Lord. Every single one of them, they sought the Lord. The expression to seek the Lord or sought the Lord is used 35 times in our Bible. The, the word soul winning, it's he that winneth souls. It's only used once in our Bible. But to seek the Lord 35 times, I'd say that's in there for emphasis, wouldn't you? Great Christian men and women of modern times all have one thing in common. They seek the Lord. And I'm talking about men in business, employees working for companies, Husbands and wives, they seek the Lord and then they have this in common, they prosper. You will prosper. God wants to prosper His children. Be they business owners or employees or husbands and wives or students, God wants to prosper His sons and daughters. But this is the key. Seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. In Psalm 34.10, They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. And I leave you with this. Isaiah 55.6 Seek the Lord while He may be found. 
Call ye upon Him while He is near. And I guarantee you, He is near right now. He is in this place. And the question is, what will you do? It's your opportunity now to come and consecrate yourself. You watched us pastors and deacons consecrate ourselves. No one's going to put a camera on you. But would you consecrate yourself to God today? Would you stand to your feet, please? We're going to have a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.